You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendas. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into this one, thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams. Now, it is a Friday. You guys know how we like to do Fridays around here. I actually asked you guys for questions last week, but we couldn't get around to a mailbag because of Robert Woods' ACL tear, which kind of threw a wrench in the plans. But this week, there's no crazy, unfortunate injury news, no breaking news for the Rams here. So we will get to dive into a mailbag episode. You guys shot over some really good questions like you always do to me on Twitter. And so we'll dive in right from the get-go. And as you can imagine, a lot of these questions are referring to how the Rams have played the last two weeks, how they can improve, how they can get better, what they can do to sort of offset some of those issues. So to begin the first one from at JP Barrett, he said, Baker Mayfield fell into the trap of trying to get the ball to OBJ, even when he wasn't the best target uh, to avoid getting bashed by fans and sports radio. Will Matthew Stafford have that same issue? Now, I'm not necessarily sure that we could say Mayfield was pressured to target OBJ because of the media and things like that, maybe to some degree, but I think it was more so uh, in terms of, you know, you have this weapon and you want to try to get him utilized inside the offense. You want to find a way to incorporate this type of players because he's got game breaking ability. Let's just call it what it is. And so I think it was more maybe coaching staff based or more just, you know, let's get this guy the ball knowing that OBJ is the kind of guy that's probably going to get pretty pissed off if he's not getting the targets for long stretches of time. So half right, half not. But in terms of will Stafford have the same issue? You know, I hope not. I mean, in terms of if we look throughout the course of his career, Matthew Stafford, he's always had one guy where he's consistently targeted him more so than everyone else, right? And you look back to the days of Calvin Johnson getting like 180, 190 targets, which is absurd. feels like Cooper Cup is that guy now, right? And even with Cooper Cup being that guy, the Rams were really, really good. I mean, there were seven and two, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago, like they were having a lot of success, even though Stafford continued in that trend of trying to target one guy. Now, is it going to happen with OBJ? I'm not 100% certain. I don't necessarily think so because they just have a lot of weapons. Everyone needs the ball right now. And I think there might be times every now and again where we'll see it sort of come up. You saw it literally on the first pass, or I think it was actually the second pass to OBJ where Stafford goes deep to him. It is a terrible pass. OBJ doesn't even run into the direction of the pass. And even if he did, it was in double coverage. So it would have been a terrible pass regardless. So Maybe we're already seeing, you know, shades of that happening, but I really hope that's not the case because Stafford's playing really good over the course of the entire 10 game sample size of this season. And if there's one thing that could throw him off track a little bit, it's just trying to think too much instead of just playing. So we'll see how it shakes out, but I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue in my personal opinion. Now, the next one from at Will Carella, he said, this is a chicken or egg type of question. Does McVeigh avoid committing to the run because it hasn't shown to be very effective or has the run game not been effective because McVeigh won't commit to it? And I'm sort of in the middle here. Like, I don't think the running game is bad, and I don't necessarily think that he's not committing to it either, right? I think, you know, the last two weeks is kind of hard to judge just because you fall behind so quickly. It sort of starts to play with the mind of the play caller, right? Sean McVeigh feels 
that he's down 14 points in literally the snap of a finger. Now he has to sort of climb himself out of this hole and then he can get pass oriented or a little bit pass happy. And so I think a lot of people are saying like, you know, Sean McVay doesn't want to run the football. He's too pass oriented. And we can say that based off of the last two games, but in general, like throughout the course of the entire season, I thought they've had a really good balance in terms of the passing and the running. And we talked about it on yesterday's episode here. Hasn't really been egregious in either way. And, you know, when you look at, yes, last week, well, again, you're down 14 or 20 points. The same thing as the week before. Before you blink, you're already down 20 points. So it's like, you know, you kind of try to got to dig yourself out of this hole. And so I can understand why they went a little bit past happy. Now, maybe he needs to adjust that because, you know, if it's still the first half and you're down by 14 points, like you have a lot of time to try and mount a comeback. So shouldn't scrap your original plan to maybe run the ball a little bit more. But, you know, we think back to some of these earlier games this season where the Rams will be leading. I can't remember which games, maybe Indianapolis, some games like that. And they'll go run the ball like eight times in a row and continue to grab first downs, continue to run for five, six, seven yards a pop. Like, it's not like this guy doesn't like running. We've seen it in 2018. The Rams ran the ball as much as anybody. I just think he has this different kind of plan for his new quarterback and his new offense. And the last two weeks, sort of a sample size that's kind of skewed just because the Rams were down. Like, if they go into this next game and they're up by 14, I don't think they're just going to keep throwing the ball and run the ball 10 times in a game. I genuinely think they'll run the ball more often. So it's a hard question to kind of answer. I think right now it's not really an issue personally, but I know a lot of people, especially in the YouTube comments, were saying, you've got to run the ball more. You've got to run the ball. Yes, he does more than last game. But in general, if we look at the whole season, it's been absolutely fine in my opinion. Now, the last question here from at Turbo Fargo said, what could be the reason for Terrell Burgess not playing this late into the season? Nick Scott was rated pretty low, but is getting plenty of playing time over him. Is it a personality clash with Raheem Morris? He was making strong plays last year before he got hurt. What gives? And Jason, I wish I had the answer, man. I really, really wish I had the answer. I'm as curious as you are, as curious as everyone else is, why this guy is not playing for this team. Like he was a third round pick. So he was a relatively early round pick, right? The Rams don't really pick in the first round. They haven't picked in the last couple of years. So Terrell Burgess was one of their higher picks in the last few drafts, and he's just not playing. And I'm not really sure why, because I certainly think there is a place for this guy on the defense right now. Like you mentioned, if Nick Scott is getting snaps, if Taylor Rapp is playing, you know, man-to-man coverage in nickel, that's exactly where Terrell Burgess should be playing. So it's not like they don't even have a place for him to play or a place for him to excel or use that kind of a skill set that he brings There absolutely is a place for that. And I don't know why he's not playing. Like you mentioned, maybe it's something to do with Raheem Morris. I'm not certain. Maybe he doesn't practice well. But this is why I've continuously said over the last week, I don't think that Raheem Morris knows his personnel. Like this is the same team that cut Dante Dion, you know, uh, three months ago, let's say, at the beginning of the season, going into the season on their 53-man roster. He didn't make it. He made the practice squad. And they started David Long. And a week or two later, or three weeks later, David Long's getting benched in favor of Robert Rochelle. And then two weeks later, Robert Rochelle is getting benched in favor of Dante Dion. And now Dante Dion is a starter. Like, how do you not figure these things out in the offseason or in practice? And that makes me concerned in terms of their talent evaluation on that side of the ball. Ultimately, it comes back to Raheem Morris at the end of the day. And so I'm not really sure that he knows what's really best in terms of his personnel right now. And also another key loss that they've suffered there is former cornerbacks coach Aubrey Pleasant. This was a guy that was very heralded for the Rams by a lot of media members, coaching staff members, really everyone as a guy that 
did a great job at developing his corners, knowing his positioning, their technique, how to work with these guys. And of course, a lot of the corners ended up getting paid in free agency because of this guy. He was a really, really good coach. And he left in the offseason to go join his hometown Detroit Lions. So now the Rams have a bit of a question mark there as well. And I think that's all sort of come into play here with why guys like Terrell Burgess are not playing or why guys like David Long and Robert Rochelle maybe aren't as good as we kind of hope they would be. Why maybe, you know, Darius Williams has stepped off a little bit compared to last year. I think it all kind of goes into play here. So we'll see ultimately how it shakes out throughout the rest of this season. But I think one of the easiest plans for the Rams to really start to improve that side of the ball is to just get some more playing time for a guy like Terrell Burgess, who certainly deserves it, especially when you look at some of these other guys that have replaced them. They're not playing that good. So you have a reason and incentive to at least try it, in my opinion. Now, before we continue on with this talk, some of you guys wanted to talk about the offensive line, some questions on Matthew Stafford and like I just mentioned, Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey, the secondary. Before we get there, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP at Locked on Rams and on YouTube at Locked on Rams as well. For those that are listening to this podcast, some of you guys already do take advantage of this, but there is a free app called Get Upside. And if you use it, as well as the promo code touchdown, you can get up to 25 cents cash back for every gallon of gas that you fill up with. And I mean, if you're a person who commutes or drives for whatever reason, pick your kid up from school, drop your kid off. There is no reason why you should not be using this app. Like I mentioned, it is entirely free. You can download it on the App Store or Google Play right now. And all you have to do is use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can actually get up to an additional 50 cents cash back for every gallon on your first tank. You can cash out at any time you want straight to your bank account, to your PayPal account, even in gift cards if that's really what you prefer. As I mentioned, the app is called Get Upside. It is entirely free and the promo code is TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. And now we can pick up with where we left off here. The next question, and this was a little bit of a joke one from at Jaron Guzman. He said, do I even watch football this weekend? The taste from the Monday night football game is still lingering. You got to watch football this weekend, man. The Rams are on a bye week. There's no sweat. There's going to be no stress. Um, no reason to get you know picked on on Monday if you're going to school or if you're going back to work and your coworkers are going to get kind of rib you or whatever. Just watch the football on Sunday. Enjoy it stress-free. I used to let games like this really bother me too, and it would ruin my whole week. But, you know, you got to just find a way to kind of put it behind you. And I know it's kind of a joke, but, man, you got to watch football this weekend. Football is the best sport there is. Can't miss out on any of these Sundays. Now, the next one from at JP Barrett again, he said, Matthew Stafford's been getting pressured a ton this past two weeks. Other than block better, what's the plan to fix this? Now, I looked up some of the numbers at PFF. 34 pressures over the past two weeks. That's 19th in the NFL. So not that great, of course, especially when you compare it throughout the rest of the season. The Rams were actually first or allowed the fewest pressures before these last two weeks. So offensive line kind of dropped off a little bit, but I still think a lot of that just really had to do with that Titans game, not so much this past game. Now, in terms of, like you mentioned, they got to play better, right? That's the very first thing that they can do is just improve their play, get back to how they played throughout those first eight weeks solidify themselves, get on the same page, make sure the communication is all good between each player, how they're passing off stunts, things like that. And in terms of Sean McVay, I think there's a lot of ways they can help mitigate some of these problems up front, right? You want to get your guy, Matthew Stafford, I mean, under center. Like, don't let him stand back there in the pocket, five wide and empty formation, time after time after time, just snap after snap. 
get him under center a little bit, right? That's when teams start to have to play the run a little bit more, maybe stack the box a little bit more. Those linebackers, those defensive linemen, maybe one step hesitant because they can't really just rush the passer. There might be a threat of a run now. So get under center, run some play action. I think those two things would be huge for those guys and run the football a little bit more, right? I mean, offensive linemen, they don't love consistently playing in pass, bro. These guys like to maul people in the running game. That's what you always hear them say. There's no better feeling than when you could just maul a defensive lineman snap after snap, and you can see them sort of just giving up. You're taking their soul, taking their will, and you just keep gaining yardage, and there's nothing they can do. I think the Rams got to implement some of these different things, maybe a quick passing game, maybe a little bit more under center, more play action. I think all of these things would certainly help the offensive line, Matthew Stafford, the offensive production, really everybody in general. So, I'd be pretty shocked if they don't come out and run it a little bit more often. Not going to completely change the offense, but even a few more snaps, I think, could make the difference here. Now, the next one's from at Rain with a came. He said, you said you watched the film for Monday night. We all know how Jalen Ramsey was not used correctly, but what's your take on how they're using Darius Williams? Now, it's a really good question, right? And I still don't know what the answer is here, but one of the things that I've kind of noticed from this cornerback room, and it wasn't so much Darius Williams, it was more Robert Rochelle, is... Sometimes these guys are lining up very far off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I'm kind of curious in terms of, is this a coaching thing? Is this a player decision? Is this a schematic thing? I don't know who to chalk it up to because I'm not in the building. I don't know for sure what the answer is. But, you know, sometimes you look back to a second and eight, Robert Rochelle, he's lined up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, it was an easy catch. It was an easy conversion for a first down to Brandon Ayuk. And it put the 49ers right into the red zone. And Jalen Ramsey looked really defeated after that snap. And, uh, you know, so that kind of made me think, like, is this Robert Rochelle deciding to do this? Is this a coach thing? Is this Raheem Morris telling him to line up off the line of scrimmage like that? Is this a schematic thing? Because now in that snap, they're kind of running cover one, cover one Robert type of coverage where it's pretty much man-to-man across the board. There's only going to be one free safety in the middle of the field. And everyone has to hold up. Like, you don't really have a choice. If you get beat, you're probably giving up a touchdown. So maybe he was just playing it safe because of that scheme, the coverage that they were running. I don't know. But when you talk about Darius Williams here, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I miss the days of when he, Ramsey, Troy Hill, some of these guys, they could get up on the line of scrimmage and play very physical. Like, they had nothing to worry about behind them because a lot of times it was cover two, it was cover four, it was cover six. So, you can afford to get a little bit more risky, a little bit more in the face of a receiver, a little bit more physical, a little bit more in their hip pocket when you have somebody behind you, right? You don't have to worry about necessarily getting beat deep because you will have that help versus the Rams running a lot more cover three this season, a little bit of cover one against San Fran. That means there's only one guy back there that has to cover the whole field versus if you're in cover two or cover four, there's going to be two guys splitting, you know, half the field or the whole field. So It's really, I think, a schematic thing that's just not allowed these corners to be as aggressive as they want. And that's where you're taking Darius Williams away from his best. Like, he is best when he can get close to a receiver and he can jump on errant passes from quarterbacks. He can read the eyes of quarterbacks. He can utilize his amazing hands and his ability to catch up and recover. That's one of the things that he does really well. But they haven't really let him utilize his instincts like that. And so I think that's part of the reason why he's sort of fallen off this season I think it's partially schematic. Like none of these guys are playing as good as they did last year, in my opinion. Not Ramsey, not D. Will, and certainly not the third corner. Like that corner, whoever it is, if it's Dion, if it's David Long, whoever it is, Rochelle, they're not playing as good as Troy Hill last year either. So 
I think partially schematic, partially, you know, alignment, positioning, all these things are kind of playing into factor here why they're just not as good. So I don't know if they're going to change that, but it's certainly something I think they need to look at because they've got to utilize these guys a little bit more. They're way too talented in the secondary to just be a subpar average unit. They deserve to be better than that, in my opinion. Now, the final one here from at Joe Ram 13, he said, who will be the defensive coordinator once Morris is let go at the end of the season? Joe, man, you got to breathe, brother. You've been having a tough week. Holy. Now, in terms of if Raheem's not back next year, which I think is a legitimate possibility, two names that I would love to see. Jim Leonard, I think he's still at Wisconsin right now. He's their D coordinator, a former safety in the NFL. He played for, I think it was the Ravens. He played for the Jets for a long time as well. Really good player, really interesting schematic type of coach. I think he could fit in really well with the Rams. Does he want to make the jump to the NFL? Not 100% sure, but I do think he actually interviewed for a job, maybe with the Rams before, with another NFL team for sure, I think. So that could be an option. Another guy in the NFL that I think would just be an absolute home run is current linebackers coach, I believe, for the New England Patriots, former linebacker, actually a star linebacker, Gerard Mayo. This guy has the ability, I think, to not only just become a great head coach one day, uh, a great leader of men, really, but I think he is just so smart on that side of the ball. And obviously the Patriots have a little bit of a pecking order in terms of how much can he really advance in his career. I'm not saying that he's going to want to leave, but if he does want to leave, the Rams can offer him that D coordinator job and he can do whatever he wants on that side of the ball. I think it's pretty enticing to get to work for a guy like Sean McVay, especially when you're Gerard Mayo, you're like 33, 34, probably want to become a head coach in that same mold as Sean McVay. So I think that could be enticing. And I think that would just be a home run hit in terms of the hire, not going to be easy to pull off, but if they do lose Raheem Morris in the offseason, I think there's going to be plenty of options for the Rams to replace him with a young and interesting type of D coordinator moving forward. Now, in just a second here, we're going to pick up on these last few questions. You guys shot over some good ones, like I mentioned. A little bit more in terms of Raheem Morris. Is there a push to fire this guy? And do I think that the Rams are frauds or not this season? So we're going to dive into that in just a second. Make sure to tune back in next week when we flip the page and start looking at the Los Angeles Rams-Green Bay Packers matchup in Week 12. It's going to be a very pivotal one for both teams, but especially the Rams coming off of that bye week. Now, if you haven't tried a Bilt Bar, I'm telling you, you are absolutely missing out. I've tried a lot of different protein bars in my time. Some are waxy, some are chalky, some don't taste good, some are just hard to take down, some hardly have any protein in them. Now, the Bilt Bar has none of these issues. I mean, they are absolutely delicious. They're 100% covered in real chocolate. And when you bite into it, it honestly feels like a different type of experience. It feels like you're actually just eating a chocolate bar or a candy bar, as you guys call it. We call it chocolate bar here in Canada. Uh, but it is a great experience. The bars, they're low in carbs, low in calories, low in sugar, low in fat, and they're high in protein. So you get all the healthy benefits on top of just actually being really good. And there's so many different flavors, actually, which is really cool. This month at Built right now, they're coming out with limited time flavors every three to four days. So make sure to go check their website often. I'm telling you, you guys do not want to miss some of these cool flavors that they have coming out. All you have to do, just go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And you guys know I absolutely love betting on this podcast. I always drop a few hints here or there in terms of parlays and things that I like. And of course, I'm always betting on the Rams every week. If you guys want to get in on some of that action, go check out our friends at betonline.ag. They are back and they are better than ever. A new web interface right now for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So go ahead to their new website, updated desktop, or mobile website 
If you sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, all you have to do, just use a promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football to basketball to NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Make sure to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available right now for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Now, thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams. For your second daily listen, go check out Locked On Bets. Man, these guys are your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Now let's pick up with this final segment. The last few questions, there's a few more good ones here. A couple heaters that I kept for this end. Uh, The first one from at LA Ramsey 46. He said, I've been a Rams fan for well over a decade and have been through the terrible seasons like many of us. What are your thoughts on the fire Morris push, Raheem Morris? Maybe an overreaction by the new spoiled fans. And, you know, I'm not going to say they're spoiled per se, but yeah, I think that's probably, you know, pretty accurate. You know, you talk about Raheem Morris, right? I don't think he's doing a great job, but I don't think he's a liability right now either. I mean, the Rams are still top like 13 to 15 in every category, pretty much defensively. They're near the top of the NFL in pressures. I think second or third, they're first in sacks. Like they're not bad, right? But at the same time, they have a lot of talent there and you want more. I mean, they have enough talent to not just be a top 10 unit, but maybe be a top five unit, maybe be a top three unit, maybe be the best defense in football, especially now when you start to integrate another Hall of Famer in Von Miller. I joked on Twitter, I said, you know, maybe if Raheem gets five more Hall of Famers, they'll be average. And yeah, it was kind of poking fun, but they're average right now. And I think you can certainly do a lot better than Raheem, but I don't think he's terrible either. And it doesn't make any sense to fire him right now because who's going to replace him? You cannot replace him mid-season. You don't have another D coordinator. So whether or not he does good by the end of the season, which we still have another nine games to evaluate, let's say, we'll find out whether he's going to be back or not. But you can't fire him right now. It doesn't make any sense. The Rams aren't going to be in a better position, I don't think. Who's going to take over? It doesn't make any sense to me. You have his scheme kind of implemented right now. He's going to be worthy of at least coaching the rest of this season. You, he deserves at least one year. And while I think the Rams can certainly do a lot better at D coordinator, not a huge Raheem Morris guy, I think that it just doesn't make any sense to fire him right now. So kind of along the same line with you there, maybe a little bit of an overreaction, maybe a little bit of a weird you know, spoiled type of feel like the Rams are seven and three. They're not, you know, three and 10. I predicted that they'd go seven and three at this point in the season in our schedule breakdown series with my guy, Brad Motter. Brad had them at eight and two. Like we're not far off. The Rams are seven and three. So they're literally lining up with my expectations and pretty much almost Brad's too. So, you know, I understand being frustrated, but we got to think about this logically. They weren't just going to be 10 and all with no questions asked, no problems. They're good. They still have to get better, and that defense especially, in my opinion, but they're not exactly a liability either. Moving on to the next one, the second to last from at Brian Tedsey said, do you think the Rams got what it takes to overcome the tough matchups that are coming up, and do you personally think that the Rams are frauds? Now, I think the Rams are good enough to win every single week. I don't care who they're going against. Like, yes, Green Bay is going to be tough, and it's going to be even tougher to travel to Lambeau, play in the cold. Maybe it's going to be snowing. I don't know. But, I mean, they have talent. Like, this team is as talented, if not more talented, than any team in football. And they also have the coaching staff like Sean McVay necessary to out-scheme teams. So, they have really everything possible. They just need to put it together and do it consistently. That is the number one thing for this team. Now, 
I don't know if I'm necessarily going to pick them over the Packers, especially with the way they played the last two weeks, but this team can win every week. I do not think they're frauds. I certainly think the Rams will get better. I don't think they've peaked. Like I mentioned many times, this is still a team that's kind of adding a lot of different pieces. Like, yes, Matthew Stafford was new. It was going to take him some games to get used to his new receivers. Raheem Morris is new. It was going to take him some games to understand his scheme and get the players to buy in. Now you have Von Miller. Now you have OBJ. Like, this is a ever-changing roster. It's not like some of these other teams that everything's the same for three years. Like, there's some changes here. So, still think there's a peak that they haven't reached. I still think they can get better. And I still do believe they will get better. So, as of right now, if you're going to ask me who's going to be in the Super Bowl, I think the Rams have as good a shot as any team in the NFC, personally. Maybe that's me being biased. Maybe it's not. But, hey, if they come out of this next game and they beat Green Bay, we're going to be talking about, oh, the Rams are all of a sudden, yeah, they are the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, they are the best team in the NFL. That's just how it goes. It's a week-to-week kind of business here in the NFL. If you lose, you're going to get scolded. If you win, you basically won the Super Bowl in week 11. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I do not think they're frauds at all. I certainly think they'll get better. If they continue to lose games, then maybe we could be concerned. But as of right now, just a little bit disappointed, but we will see some better football, in my opinion. It takes us into the last one here. From at CJ1092, he said, is there a way to actually fix this offense and defense this season? How much is McVay tied to staff success, staff meaning Stafford? And if he fails, how long does it take for Sean to be on the hot seat? How soon are you booking your tickets to the victory parade? Now, there's a lot to unpack in that question. So the offense and defense, how to fix them? I answered it on yesterday's podcast. Ironically enough, I spent 30 minutes breaking down every single change I think they can make on both sides of the ball that will reflect a better type of performance moving forward. Defense, a lot more due to personnel. Try to get Terrell Burgess out there. Try to get Dante Dion out there as a starter and corner. And take Troy Reader off the field as much as you possibly can. Start to consider whether you want to put Traven Howard out there in his place and let Ernest Jones take over 100% of those game snaps at linebacker. Even in the running game, I do not care. Offensively, get under center a little bit more. Run a little bit more play action. Actually, a lot more play action run the football a little bit more and let your passing game sort of delve off of that and build off of that. Like we've seen in the past with the Rams and then go empty and do what you got to do. I think both sides of the ball would really benefit with some of those changes. Now in terms of if he fails, you know, I don't think Sean's going to be on the hot seat. I mean, he's not going to be on the hot seat, not this year, probably not next year. And if there's a leash, man, it is as long as possible. Like we're talking about a guy that has had so much success with the Rams. I'm not even going to consider the idea that he's on a hot seat or that he's going to get fired someday. I remember watching Jeff Fisher. I remember watching Scott Linehan. I remember watching Steve Spagnuolo, Jim Hazlitt, and everyone else in between. And those guys were bad. Like, I watched the Rams win six games in a combined three seasons one time. Like, six games in three years. The Rams already have more than that. They had more than that in, like, eight weeks this year. So, I've seen a lot of bad football. And this is not bad football. It is just a bad stretch of football And it's not really terrible. It's just, you know, they weren't good enough. Like, they will be better. They'll be fine. Everyone just needs to take a deep breath. This is still a very talented team, a very good coaching staff, and a very, very interesting franchise that I think has the potential to go all the way. Now, when you say, how soon are you booking your tickets to the victory parade? Man, I hope it's next week where I'm ready to kind of, you know, pull that plug because this team has the potential to get there. And all it takes is one big win over a contender for all of us to buy in again, right? You think back to week three against Tampa Bay, the Rams dominated that team. They smashed the Bucks, And at that point, I was ready to go all the way in. And I was all the way in actually. But now they got another chance against 
a good NFC team like the Packers once again. So if they can beat the Packers, you're talking about holding tiebreakers over the Buccaneers, over the Packers. What are those teams? The two teams that everybody, including the Rams, thought would be the last one standing in the NFC. So you start to buy yourself a little bit more breathing room in the NFC seedings, in the playoff seedings. So we'll see how it happens, right? If they can beat this team, I think everyone will be right back on board from major media to the fan base to everyone in that building. It just takes one win. Hopefully the Rams can get it against a really good opponent in the Packers. But at the end of the day, it's not a Super Bowl yet. They've still got a lot of time. And I do believe, and I will choose to believe in this team that they will get it fixed. They will get it right. And they will be one of the last teams, if not the last team standing at the end of the year. And that is going to do it for this mailbag episode. Thank you guys so much for always shooting us some really good questions for these episodes and for always making us here at Locked on Rams, your first daily listen. Now make sure to tune back in next week when we start to take a look at these Los Angeles Rams and Green Bay Packers matchup. It is going to be a pivotal one for both sides. Sean McVay versus old friend Matt LaFleur. It's going to be a great one, so make sure to tune into that. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QBZMEP, at LockedOnRams, and on YouTube as well, at LockedOnRams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.